and he'll take it from here. Thank you very much, Pastor Brent. I only stole half your notes. I don't know where the other ones are. So, okay, you go for that. So, thank you very much. It's an honor and a privilege to celebrate baptisms twice a year here at Essex Gospel Community Church. And so, we have two baptismal candidates that have come out of our foundations class in this last cycle. And we're going to go through with celebrating their, their baptisms this morning. And, of course, we'll have a number of memberships later on in the gathering as well. But the first baptismal candidate that I would like to welcome into the baptismal tank is Brittany Clarkson. So Brittany has been coming to Essex Gospel Community Church since the days of a high school student. I can remember her in emergency ministries. And you remember those days too? Mm -hmm. So Brittany is, uh, is just as shy as she ever was. And she, she wrote out some stuff and shared it in foundations. But apparently all of you intimidate her when you're all together in one room together, right? Yeah, see? So um, I'll share a little bit about what Brittany has written about. She, uh, she wrote about attending here as a high school student at Essex Gospel Community Church. She came with her, her boyfriend, Dan, who, uh, who you'll be meeting a little bit later on in the gathering. And she was interested in the things of God. And I uh, just kept listening and, and kept coming and, and pursuing things. And then uh, after high school, she and Dan were attending and, uh, church in Harrow and, and there with his family. And then they've recently returned here to Essex Gospel Community Church. And throughout Foundations, hearing the testimonies of what people have said about what God has done in their lives, Brittany has decided to make a confession of faith of her own personal faith in Jesus Christ and she's confirming that with all of us today by celebrating her water baptism. Is that pretty accurate, Brittany? Yes, that's pretty accurate. And so when we celebrate water baptisms, we always have family and friends come and share some, some words, encouragement, and some scripture. And so I'm going to invite Dan Capsalis, Brittany's fiancé, and any of the family that is here to come on up. And Pastor Sean's going to outfit you with, with a microphone so we can hear you. And they're just going to share some, some words for you, Brittany, some encouragement at this time, some scripture as we celebrate this together. So come on up whenever you guys are ready. <laughs> well, I've known Brittany now for nine, nine years probably, since Daniel met her um, at high school in uh, at Western, and uh, at first they didn't see each other much, and we didn't see her either, except when we dropped off Daniel. But then time progressed, and uh, they seen more and more of each other over the nine years. And one day we took her to Antioch Church across from her home, and for a concert. And so my surprise, there was an altar call, and Brittany went up. Daniel says, "Brittany wants to go up," and I said, "Okay, good." Um, I don't know how much experience she had with church because her family, most of them, don't go to church. So it was a really nice surprise to see that. And she has come faithfully to my father's church in Harrow with Daniel on weekends. And uh, we've been coming here for the last year. And it makes me ex extremely joyful to see Daniel and Brittany doing this step. It's always great for mom to see their children 
follow in God's footsteps. And it's always a prayer when you raise your children that you want them to walk in God's ways. And there's something that's gone right when you see that actually happening. And uh, I'm just really blessed this morning. I just want to say I'm I'm so glad, Brittany, that you have made this decision. And uh, I wish you God's blessings. And I just want to say, I, throughout the years that I have known you, I, your love has shone through your heart, and you have been such a great blessing to our family. And I, I wish you God's blessing in, in this new walk with the Lord. It is worth it, believe me. I have been in your shoes years ago, and I have not been disappointed with what the Lord had done. And so you just keep walking with Him and ask Him every day, to help you. And I just wish you God's blessings. That God will use you. I don't have much to say, but if my grandpa was around, he would have been really happy that she's getting baptized. And But he's still around. We can feel his body, his presence around. We just can't see him, but I'm mostly really glad she is and want to learn more about God and get all the filling with it. So that's not much I can say. Awesome. Thank you guys very much. You can stay here, get a front uh, view if you like. Uh, if you want to take pictures, so you can see, you know, this is an important milestone in your family. Oh, you're ready to get a camera. Well, we can wait. That's okay. <laughs> there you go. Are you ready, Britt? Okay. So, Brittany, have you confessed faith in Jesus Christ? And you desire to live a life that continues to grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Then, Brittany Nicole Clarkson, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much, Brittany, and thank you very much to her family as well. And so our second baptismal candidate this morning is Marion Quinn, and I'd like to welcome her into the baptismal tank at this time. Marion would like to thank Tom Housen for making sure the water is warm. There you go. Now you're at the bottom. And so Marion is going to share a few words of her testimony to help us to understand her and understand what has brought her to this important milestone in her face. So, Mary, whenever you are ready, you can go ahead. You can talk right here. Just don't touch it. Okay, don't touch it. We'll get shocked. Okay. Um, I joined Foundations Group. Um, I really enjoy coming to Essex Gospel. I've been coming here now for about 12 years. And um, when I first started in foundations groups and we had to do a testimony I didn't know what to say since I've been walking with God my life's been good and I thought what am I going to tell these people Lord and he convicted me on that my life has not always been good I was raised in a Presbyterian home we went to Sunday school and church every Sunday I was taught Jesus was good and all the miracles he performed my father was a hard-working man, 
and as an adult, I have come to learn that he loved us all very much. However, he suffered with his own demons, and he was filled with anger and rage and took it out on us all. At 16, I left home. At 18, I was pregnant. At 20, I had two sons. I was married to an alcoholic man who was verbally and physically abusive. Life was not good for me nor my sons. I struggled for many years, tried to do the best for my sons. My mom and dad really helped. My brother-in-laws were there for my boys as a father figure and my father at times. In my 30s, I realized that my life had to change. At that time, though, I'd been to different churches. They were clicky and gossipy and judgmental. At that time, God in church was not for me. I went back to school. I became a nurse. And I went to work at Children's Hospital in Detroit with kids with cancer. I saw God work many, many miracles. Miracles of healing and miracles of his greatness and goodness to end suffering and life. About 12, maybe 15 years ago now, I decided to give my life to Jesus. I was slain in the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak in tongues. My greatest pleasure, it was so amazing, I would go to work and I would pray in tongues over the children, not knowing if they heard me, because some of them were in comas. One little girl that I always like to share her name was Stephanie, and Stephanie had battled with leukemia for about a year. And she was at the end of her fight. She was in a coma. And I softly went, and a bunch of nurses and myself prayed over her. And I never heard of her passing. Two days later, I left that unit and went to work on the unit I'm on now, which is a mother-baby unit. And about four years after that day, there was a tap. I was sitting at the desk writing, and there was a tap on the window. And I looked up, and here she was, four years later, the little girl that I thought shouldn't be here. But she was. She ran around the desk. She grabbed me by my neck and said, I loved you. You were the best nurse. She said, and I remember when you prayed for me. My faith grew stronger and stronger. From that point on, I've been coming here. I have two sons. I have five wonderful grandchildren, two wonderful daughter-in-laws. They're all a blessing to me. My sons have had their own struggles in life, but we've all got through them. My mother, I'm blessed, she's still here at 93 years old, and she's still with us. So today I'm here to be baptized as an adult. Jesus is my rock and my savior, and he can get you through anything and take you through anything. Thank you very much, Mary, and we appreciate that very much. And so we have some family and some friends that are here of, of Marion's, and they're going to come forward at this time. Mike and Donna Gilbert, they are friends of Marion's, have been here in the church and then uh, Marion's son, Jason, and, his, and his, uh, his wife, Maria, 
Possibly Maria. Yeah, there she is. And any of the other family here as well, Maria's other son and, and other family. If you guys want to come forward and get a, get a closer look at this, we're going to celebrate this really well. wrote it out so I wouldn't mess up. <laughs> Mary in the scripture Quiet spirit. Whoop. Which is this, which is very precious in the sight of God. You show this through your 12-hour days of nursing new moms and babies, being an active mom and grandma, but most of all, sharing your love of the Lord, which you just showed so eloquently, by the way. And in small groups or Bible study, you are the true definition of a friend and a blessing so many of us. We're so proud to have you as a friend. Uh, we pray the Lord blesses you. Abundantly as you surrender your life to Jesus. We love you. Good morning, Mom. We're so happy to celebrate this day with you. And I just want to read you Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I wrote down mine as well. I wasn't sure. And after that testimony, I'm, I'm glad I did. <laughs> but uh, I've only got about six or seven pages here, so it shouldn't take long. <laughs> it says, uh, Mom, it's been a great joy to watch you mature and grow in your faith, starting as one as we all are and then being transformed, transferred into the kingdom of light. Truly, you've become a new creation in Christ Jesus. I remember when you were a baby Christian, filled with the awe and splendor that Christ died for your sins and you were in right relationship with God our Father. The change in you is quite evident, even from the beginning. As I battled with my own trials and tribulations, you were an inspiration to me and set fire to my own spiritual journey. It still brings a smile to my face as you filled yourself up with the milk of the word, quoting Joyce Myers like it was scripture, purchasing all her books and audio CDs. I thought for certain my mother was convinced Joyce Myers was a prophet herself. The courage and strength you carried as you battled with cancer was definitely from God. You seemed to go from sickness to recovery with the greatest of ease. Intense chemo treatments and radiation, yet it appeared you'd lost not one hair on your head. I was not and could only conceive God was with you. In the last few years, your relationship with this church has grown stronger, and so has your walk with Christ. Faces of strangers and acquaintances have turned into trusted friends and a loving church family. You've gone from casual church attender to partaking in Bible studies and small groups, completing foundations and graduating into water baptism and church membership. 
putting the things of this world aside that you could attend all and rarely missing a one. Day by day, glory by glory, we are all being transformed into the image of God's Son. Just like your mother who is living out the gospel before you, you too have taken your cross and are following him. We are watching you, my dear mother, children and grandchildren, friends and family, as you publicly do your declaration of faith. And I just want to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Thank you very much, folks. Appreciate that. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Marion, do you confess faith in Jesus Christ? Yes. And do you desire to live in continued relationship with Jesus Christ and grow in that every day? Yes. Then, Marion Roberta Quinn, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much, and that completes our baptismal candidates for this celebration. Thank you, Pastor Nathan. First of all, let me just say how much I appreciate uh, all the work that Pastor Nathan does with our foundations group. Um, I'm not sure exactly when we started all of this, but it was a number of years ago where he suggested the idea of, uh, what shall we say, um, not indoctrinating, but but rather having a, a process where we could facilitate some of the integral truths of the Bible and the practices of the church give opportunity for explanation and discussion, uh, opportunity for testimony and those kinds of things, and also to plug in some of our leadership teams so relationships could, uh, could grow. And that has worked so well for us, and he has done such a great job. So let's give Pastor Nathan a hand. It, it has been an integral part uh, of the discipleship of our church and the growth of our church, and uh, Pastor Sean and I just appreciate all the work that he does in that area, and it is such a blessing and a help and, and dovetails so much, uh, so well with some of the other things that we are doing, so we appreciate that. Um, we're going to be welcoming some members in just a few minutes, and I do mean in, in just a few minutes. I, I don't plan to be too long at all. I've already been told by the kitchen staff that they're looking for a time check for me so we can get ready to eat and all of those kinds of things. So I will be sensitive uh, to our time this morning. Uh, but I do want to talk about something from the, the book of Joshua, chapter 24. And if I was going to give the sermon or the message uh, a title today, it would be one word. It would be choices. It would all, be all about choices. And we'll get to that text, that reference in Joshua 24 in just a minute. We live in a wonderful country where we have all kinds of choices. And I've picked some random choices uh, somewhat based upon my life experiences in the last little while. Um, you know that our family went to Cuba a few weeks ago, 
And uh, if you've been to Cuba, you know a couple of things about Cuba. The food is, eh. And the brand of soda, or as we like to call it in Canada, pop, is, eh. So most of you know I'm not much of a drinker. Uh, so in the all-inclusive stuff, uh, for the most part, I was drinking their, their Coca-Cola, their cola. Wow. It's awful. I don't know what Karen paid for it, but there was a real can of Coke in the little store there, and I think she paid like about two bucks Canadian, yeah, for a can of Coke, real Coke, like real Coke. The problem is I have no idea how long that was in the cooler, because when I opened it up, it was meh, too. It just wasn't quite as bad. And it reminded me about the wonderful choices that we have in Canada, right? I mean, um, I'm not a big soda pop drinker, but I'm, I'm a Coke guy. And I like my 140 calories of, of sugar uh, every once in a while. And I savor it. Don't water it down with ice, just like my father-in-law. Don't like a lot of ice. and don't want to taste the Coke, right? Apparently, if you check the Internet and if it's accurate, and we always know that the Internet is always right, right? Good, so we're all on that same page. Did you know that there are over 1,500 brands of soda or pop? 1,500. Now, obviously, that's all around the world. And as I've been able to go to some different places, I've recognized that each nation kind of does their spin on some of the name brand American or Canadian stuff. Some of them, they're falling really short. But 1,500 brands of soda. So I'm thinking of doing a trip with my wife, traveling the world, and I want to taste as many of the 1,500 brands of soda as I possibly can. There's a bucket list thing, eh, honey? Yeah. Yeah. Notice the enthusiasm. Let me, let me wow you with another choice that you have. We all like our, our, our phones and our tablets. Did you know, write this down, that there is a staggering 24,000 different kind of Android devices? 24,000. I don't even know how that's possible. But the Internet said it, so I believe it. Experts say that you can choose from over 1,000 different kinds of cars sold in the world today. Now, again, recently going to Cuba was really nice going back in time, going back to the 50s and seeing some of the old cars there and how they keep them in pretty good shape. They don't make them like they used to. But you could travel the world and you could pick a car and there would be over 1,000 choices. Not just your, your Chrysler and your GM and your Ford, but 1,000. Here's one that's really going to impress you. Did you know that there are over 400 scripted TV shows today? 400. Do you know that there's another 1,000 that aren't scripted per, per se, but are kind of your you know, everyday thing, the modern shows that we get today, the reality programs and all that? So if, if you had all of the TV access that you could possibly get, you could watch over 1,400 shows a day. That's a day well spent, right? You'd have to DVR a lot although you're never going to catch up. But here's the one that really matters to me, because we were there on Tuesday. Not every Tuesday, but almost every Tuesday, especially when my in-laws are, are, are here. 
we go to Krabby Joe's for their Tuesday wing night. And, and if, just let me say this. If you run another restaurant business or are connected to another restaurant business, don't beat me up for mentioning this one and not yours, okay? Just I thought about that as I was doing this. I may not be mentioning your, your place and you're, now you're mad at me. So, again, Dave and Betty will take that. You can go to Krabby Joe's in Essex on Tuesday night and enjoy 12 kinds of wing flavor and sauces. Say, wow. Isn't it great to have choices? It's wonderful to have choices. Now, there are some places on the planet, folks, where they don't have any of those kinds of choices. We take it for granted that we can choose this or we can choose that. And I mean, just think about when you got up this morning and you either went into your, your chest of drawers or you went into your closet and there's all kinds of clothes there. Now, let's be honest, right? Most of us hate 90% of the clothes that we have and we quickly push them out of the way to go to the 10% that we'd really like. But the bottom, bottom line is, uh, at some point in time, we were, we were so grateful that we have choices. I remember when I was in Cuba back in 1994, we were in, in the city of Camagüey. We were staying with some of the, uh, uh, the folk there, and we walked by the store. It was an appliance store, and it only accepted U.S. money. So as we're walking by and we're looking in this appliance store, one of the doctors that we were staying with said to me, he spoke really good English, he said, there's nothing in there we can buy. And I said, well, what do you mean there's nothing in there we can buy? He said, well, that's for show. I said, well, what do you mean that's for show? He said, well, first of all, Pastor, he said, we're not allowed to have U.S. dollars, and everything's priced in U.S. dollars. And they said, the second thing is, everything's so expensive, there isn't one person in this community that could afford to buy all of that, but they have it there as a show place so that it looks like there's some affluence and it looks like there's, you know, an economy that's working and it looks like there's some choices uh, to buy things. Now, that was back in 94, 95. I'm not sure if it's still like that. But the reality was is they had a showcase store where you couldn't buy anything. There was no choice. No choice could be had at all. We're going to have a group of people in a few minutes that are going to uh, receive membership. It's a choice. It's a free choice. It's, it's not something per se that the church demands. It is certainly something that the, the church encourages, especially as it relates to ministry. But it, it's a free choice. The church recognizes that membership doesn't get you a ticket into heaven. It, it's not about whether or not a person is born again by the Spirit of God and is going to heaven. We understand that. It's got nothing to do with that. You won't find any book of the Bible that says, Thou shalt get membership. We understand that. But we do understand that membership connects us more deeply in a covenant of agreement to work together and to cooperate together and to be mutually responsible to and accountable to one another. It also demonstrates for many people that they're on a pathway to somewhere as it relates to their their discipleship process. Uh, we have the 4M process here where we start off with mingling. And some of you, whether you know it or not, are in our mingle process. You come on Sunday and you're happy to mingle with us and, and you love the church and what's going on, but, but you haven't entered into small groups or you, you're, you're not involved in any kind of ministry. You're, you're just mingling. You're, in a sense, checking us out. And that's okay. It's part of the process. But, but then we take you to level two, which is merge, where you, you start moving into things like foundations, and, and, and you begin to check us out in a, in, a, in a deeper way, and you attend those eight or nine weeks uh, of meetings, and you hear about the church, and you hear about the things that we, we value theologically. You, you hear the stories from people's lives, and, and it's wonderful, eh? stories like Marion. 
that you, you see someone like that and, and you may walk by her every day and you don't know there's, there's, there's a story there and, and there's some deep work of God that's gone on in her life and some of those things are shared at foundations and you get to know one another a little bit better. From time to time, even ask questions or make comments about what we're doing and where we're going as a church. And then from there, we, we take you to the third stage to, to minister. Um, you're, if you haven't been baptized, you're baptized. If you haven't taken out membership, you take out membership. And we, we bring in the minister stage where we're asking you to minister because Ephesians 4 tells us that the pastors are here to equip everybody that's a part of the church for the works of the ministry. Your ministers. We're all ministers. We're all priests of God and for God. All of us. It's not just about uh, the paid staff, the pastors. And then we, we encourage you to journey on the next level with, with someone as a mentor. It, it doesn't mean that you, you're spiritually deep. Uh, you know, in 30 or 40 years of experience, but, but you've, you've been through the church process and you've walked with God for a while and then you see somebody else in the church that is on that journey and, and you agree to, to walk with them and to be a part of that. But it's all about choices. This is what Joshua 24 says. Joshua is about to take the people of Israel into their promised land, their, their Canaan. And Moses is gone now. Joshua was his assistant. Joshua's got the next generation, and he's taking them into the land. But they've been wandering for about 40 years as a group of people. But now they're going to go into their promised land, and they're going to, by tribe, they're going to split up, and they're going to scatter throughout this territory. So Joshua knows that in many ways there won't be like a central government. They're going to set up worship and do all those kinds of things, but there won't really be a central government. There won't be one person that's kind of over everybody and keeping everybody accountable. So he says this to them, because he knows they're going to be cut loose now. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors uh, serve beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. One of the things that we hold true as a church is that God gives us a choice. Nobody's forced to serve God. God hasn't stacked the deck where there are some pre-chosen and predisposed to be saved, and, and then the rest are, are, are just lost. There's just no hope. We believe that you get a choice. I, I think not only does the New Testament bear that out in its teaching, but, but passages like even in our Old Testament tell us, look, that God wants all of us. And you need to know that today. If you're in this room today, that God wants all of us. He wants all of us to love Him, to serve Him. He wants the heart of everybody in this room this morning. He wants all of us. You may be thinking, well, God couldn't possibly want me because of my past, of my history. If, if, if we were to have Marion back up here, and trust me, she doesn't want to do this, but if we were to have Marion back up here and we drilled down in her life and, 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 and exposed all the things that she's had to deal with, I'm sure there was a point in her life that she said, you know what, God couldn't possibly want me. Too much has happened, too much damage, too much water under the bridge speaking. But God wants all of us. And the wonderful thing is, regardless of uh, how much sin or how little sin, how religious, how irreligious, God doesn't care about all of that because none of that really matters to God. And He gives us a choice. By His Spirit, He speaks to us. In moments like this, He speaks to us. In moments where you're not in church and there's not a minister or a, or a Christian around you and you're just alone with your thoughts, 
you have those moments where you know that God is speaking to you and God is drawing you to yourself. Now, sometimes you resist that. Sometimes you try to flesh that out as quickly as you can. But God always says this to us. You've got a choice. You can choose to serve me or choose not to serve me. Now, what we have to understand is in that freedom to choose, there are always consequences from the choices. If we choose poorly, there are negative consequences. If we choose wisely, there are positive consequences. But it isn't just about whether we say yes or no. It's what happens after we say yes or no that we have to give some thought to. Will we serve God and give our life to Him and allow the righteousness of Christ to come into our life and have that hope of a, of a, a future forever? Or, or will we refuse Him and, and understand that the wages of sin is death? We have a choice. The choice is ours. Anybody remember 1979? Thanks, six of you. Anybody remember Bob Dylan? Any of the young people know who Bob Dylan is? Really? You have no idea who Bob Dylan is? Wow. You don't either? You do? Okay, good. Okay, so this is a Google search. And remember what I said today. Everything you see on the Internet, you can believe. Anyways, for those of you that don't know who Bob Dylan was, uh, Bob Dylan was a singer song, is a singer-songwriter that, that kind of, I guess, peaked in the 60s. He's kind of a poet, too. I guess he is. Um, oh, let, let's let's talk to the let's talk to the cultural snobs. He's the Leonard Cohen of the United States. Does anybody get that reference? The snobs. There's your snobs. There's your cultural snobs. There's your Canadiana. Now you're all going to go and check out who's Leonard Cohen, right? This guy's dead, by the way. Anyways, Bob Dylan. I don't think he sings very well. But he wrote some interesting lyrics, and, and he did become famous. And I'm not sure where he is at with God now, but there was a time when he was walking with the Lord. I don't know if he still is, but there was. And he wrote this really bad song that actually won a Grammy. The lyrics are awful. I think I could write this. In fact, I'm wondering if he made money on this, honey, why I'm not doing this on Mondays. This is what he said. You may be, and it's... I think there's four or five stanzas. I'm just giving you a part of it. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. Don't you think you could write that if you like took time? But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes. Indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command, women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high-degree thief. You may call the doctor or you may be called the chief. You're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, he goes on about two or three more stanzas and says the same thing again. I don't think it's terribly deep other than this. It's true. And I think when he wrote this, this was either when he became a Christian or was flirting with Christianity again. I'm not sure what his spiritual state is right now. But I think back in those days he was. And he recognized that all of us are going to have to serve somebody. We can say yes or no, but you're going to serve somebody. 
And when we think we're serving ourselves, we're really serving the enemy. We're really serving the devil. We're really serving darkness. And so, like Joshua's generation, we have a choice, folks. It's more important than membership. It's more important than connecting to a church. But what's most important is it's about connecting to Jesus. And then once you connect to Jesus, then as a church we come alongside you and we... We wrap our arms around you spiritually and sometimes physically. And we say, hey, let us help you on the journey. Let us help you on the journey of faith. Because one of the things that membership reminds us is that we need one another. There's no question our help comes from the Lord. But God places us in a body of believers, a family. And this morning, we're going to recognize some of our new members. And we're going to honor them today and anoint them with oil and pray for them and extend to them the right hand of fellowship. And so let me get the notes that I lost. And we're going to do this just a little bit differently because not everybody is known to everybody today. So I'm going to ask for uh, Reg and Evelyn if you'd come to the front. And you're going, to stand, you're going to stand right here and you're going to give some room so people can get behind you, especially you, Reg. You may have to step twice. Reg's a big boy. If I'm going to war, I'm going with Reg. And just face the saints. And uh, Jerry and Gay are going to come and stand in be, be behind them, okay? For now. Just for now, behind them. Yeah, right there. Eventually, the deacons will come to the front and, and, and uh, anoint them and pray for them. But right now, we just want them visible. So Jerry and Gay are going to be our deacon couple that are going to pray with them. Let me see who else I have. Uh, Don. Don Clifford. Don, if you just stand beside Evelyn here. And Dave and Michelle Slater are going to pray with Don. So you guys come right in behind them. Right, right, right in behind. Yeah. And Don, you just stand beside Evelyn, and then Dave and Michelle are going to come. And then Marion. Is Marion back? Oh, you're back right off. All good. Marion's going to stand beside Don, and Betty Green is going to pray for her. And then the St. Pierre's, Leo and Eileen. We're going to ask them to come forward. And Jeff and Joanne Rive are going to step in behind them. Just for a minute, again, we'll eventually have you out front praying for them and anointing them. And then John, John Housen. John has been a member, moved away, and is back with us, at least for a season. And Jeff and Monique Pye are going to pray for John. And then uh, David Capasalas is going to come. Daniel. Sorry about that. Yeah, do you? Good Davids or bad Davids? Good? Okay. So, Daniel, you just stand beside John. And who's praying with you? Oh, Pastor Nathan and Mandy. That's awesome. And then Brittany. Brittany's going to come and stand beside Daniel. And Carmen is going to be the director that's going to pray for her. So if Jeff and Joanne will look behind them at the table, you'll see little jars of oil. Will you pass those at least one to each couple? Just pass them.